When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 6.30 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 6.30 Chad. Okay, appreciate you tuning in tonight. So the NHL coming back. Oilers will open training camp January 3rd. The games start January 13th. We don't know for sure if the Oilers will play on that day. Jim Matheson from Post Media has uh, reported that he thinks the Oilers' first game will be against the Canucks. We'll see. Hopefully we get a schedule before Christmas. No Oscar Clefbaum at all this year for the Oilers. Gaetan Haas will be late to training camp because he had close contact with uh, players with COVID while playing in Switzerland. Ryan Nugent Hopkins was on the show in the last half hour. He is uh, driven from Vancouver to Edmonton, got in yesterday. That has to do a five-day quarantine because he drove, and then uh, he'll be getting back on the ice and getting ready for the season. And uh, one of the storylines to follow with him is what happens with a potential contract extension. His deal is up after the season. 780-496-0063, the number to call or text. Milanovic and Morley, the double football team coaches show, coming up between 7.30 and 8. Monday night football as we... Bring in Jack Michaels. And Jack, I don't care that you have the VCR rolling on this game. You might even have a beta machine recording it. It's 3 nothing Bengals early in the second quarter against your beloved Pittsburgh Steelers. Oh, wait. See, now that's just uncalled for. I mean, it's, it's uncalled for on so many fronts. This time, I was actually nice enough to give you the courtesy of reminding you not to tell me what the score was and that I was recording the game. And I accepted this inglorious 705 start, which is an insult to everything that I've built my career on. And I forget the other thing, but I, I remember being outraged about it as well. Yes, you're, you're clearly so outraged you can't even think straight. Can I update the I score? Because something outraged, just happened. Though. Something just happened. We got an upset brewing. I'm just going to get here. Tur- pl- plug your ears for five seconds, Jack. It's now 10 nothing for the Bengals in a game I pretty much guaranteed the Steelers would win when I came on the air about about an hour ago. But that's okay. Hey, buddy, we had Ken Hall and Clips, and we had Nuge on in the first hour of the show. I, I know you were on the uh, Holland availability earlier today and uh, heard him on Oilers now with Bob Stoffer. I mean, look, we we should start here. Holland confirmed it. We suspected it. We didn't know for sure. But the Oilers' two 10-game opponents will indeed be the Flames and the Canucks. So that's an even added bonus to the season coming back. Well, it's it's an added bonus because they're natural rivals and they are also happen to be, you know, in that conversation for first place in this division. And, and you know what? Fifth place in this division is going to be better than some other teams that qualify for the Stanley Cup playoffs this year. That's that's my firm belief. It's a balanced division. I don't think there's a super team in it, Reed, but there's lots of teams going to be clustered between say ninth and 18th. I think you're. I think literally you could see six of the seven teams between the, those ten spots between nine and 18. 
I, I'd almost mark it down. I, I think you're going to have a lot of balance, and, and and Ken Holland alluded to, you know, it's it's going to be like, you know, a playoff series every weekend, and he's right uh, because, you know, not only are the teams very competitive, and I uh, trust me, I, I, Ottawa's given Edmonton fits the last several years, to be honest with you. I, I don't think the Oilers have done very well against Ottawa, even – with Ottawa fielding some brutal hockey clubs the last couple of years. In fact, last year, I remember a home loss that pretty much knocked them out of postseason contention. And now they've added to that team. They, you know, they've added Matt Murray. They've added uh, to Donoff. They're, they're going to be a decent hockey club. They're going to take points from teams that desperately need them. And the other six teams are probably thinking, we should finish first. If everything goes okay and we stay healthy, we should finish first. And that. It's really the first time in a long time that I think you can have that many teams in a division with a legitimate argument. I think Winnipeg's got a thin roster, but they've probably got the best goaltender. Vancouver feels like they are going to build on taking Vegas to Game 7 last year. Calgary believes they've learned from some early round exits and over the course of the last two regular seasons, they've probably been the best team. Edmonton believes the 71 games is a lot more indicative of where they are than the four games they played against Chicago. Uh, and Montreal feels justifiably so that they might have had the best offseason, not only in the division, but in the entire National Hockey League. Bigger, stronger, and even tougher in net, where you might say they've got the best combo now. And maybe that allows Carey Price to maybe reclaim the mantle from Connor Hellebuck. So it's a hell of a division. And and Toronto, of course, being Toronto, feels like it should win every year. I don't know why, but they do. So <laughs> well, I, re- I referenced the, uh, the prognosticator who did a, a run through on uh, some sort of simulation and had the Leafs going 42, eight and six, I which know. I don't it think is very upset, but, but I think they, upset. I think they will be good. And, and I, I pointed this out in the last half hour, Jack, when I was wrapping up, we got to remember this Toronto has never lost a game at Rogers place. Ottawa has never lost a game at Rogers place. The two Ontario teams are eight. No, since the new building opened and they're going to get four, maybe five opportunities to build on that this year. Well, I mean, that, that backs up what I was just saying about how, you know, Ottawa's given Edmonton fits. I mean, really damaging losses down the stretch in both 18 and 19. Basically losses that put the Oilers' hopes away. Uh, you know, Edmonton's had success in Ottawa, but as you indicated, not much success at home. In fact, I remember... Maybe it was their last game. I mean, I can think of a couple games at Rexall Place right off the top of my head. Mike Hoffman won one in overtime with one of his patented one-time rip jobs. And the other one, I don't know whether you'll remember this, Reed, because it might have been as many as 10 years ago. But Alexei Kovalev, in what might have been his last year and maybe his last goal, threw one in from three-quarter ice that was – as magical a play as I've seen, and obviously with access to Connor McDavid, we see plenty. But I mean, he perfectly lofted a shot over the entire team and landed in the middle of the net from about 145 feet. It was it was as amazing a shot as I've seen since entering the National Hockey League. So, 
Ottawa gives Edmonton trouble. A lot of teams have given Edmonton trouble in recent years. The Oilers showed signs that they were ready to kind of join that triumvirate of, of Calgary and Vancouver as perennial contenders last year. And now they're going to be joined uh, by some, some real power from the East. Toronto and a lot of people are expecting Montreal to be much improved. And quite frankly, I don't blame them. I, I think the Canadians have a much stronger roster uh, and and they they feel like they're ready to take the next step. So it's going to be a heck of a division. Uh, had some correspondence with with Dave Tippett, and he feels the same. He feels like this might be the most fun he has in coaching in in his NHL career. I mean, he he's really looking forward to it. So I mean, that's that's just some of the buzz that's been generated by you know some strange circumstances. But quite frankly, I think Canada. Oilers fans benefit from it greatly. This is this is the most entertaining division. I'm not just saying that since I live here. Okay, I, I looked this up uh, on Sharp Sports. Since the 04-05 season that didn't happen, since then the Ottawa Senators have played 12 games in the city of Edmonton. They're 11-1. and one. Yeah, <laughs> they're eleven and one. The Oilers, yeah. I mean, uh, because the a couple games, won, Oilers are one Oilers, nine and I think two. Won six or six of seven or something like that in Ottawa. But yeah, in Edmonton, the Senators have been terrific. That's that. That's a crazy. And, and and look, during some of those times, Ottawa was good. Edmonton wasn't. And then sure. lately, it's been the other way around. But I mean, that's that's a trend that's persisted through. That's that's like. That's three generations of players, basically, going back 12 games and and 15 years. Jack Michaels joining us tonight on Inside Sports. Hey, look, cleft bombs out for the season. We knew it was possible. You know that that I think Barry can step right in on the power play, and I think it might even be deadlier than it was. The five-on-five situation for the left side is going to be interesting. Nurse will have to do some more, and on the PK, I should add. Jones will probably have to do some more. I called Chris Russell the old battleship back there, uh, and, and you know Holland didn't rule it out. He didn't specifically say a depth left shot D, but I think we can read into that because he said he doesn't want to add any more forwards. So maybe that's where there's a little bit of a roster tweak between now and January 3rd. Maybe there's a PTO for some left shot defenseman out there. Well, I know it's been speculated on, and uh, you know uh, Slater Cuckoo's a name that's out there, and and a guy that Edmonton obviously saw up close and. And I will say this, I, I thought in that, again, short series, Slater Cuckoo was a guy who ended up playing a ton of minutes, and he ended up playing fairly well for Chicago and contributed some offense, as I recall. So, you know, and, and that was the key in that series. The the Blackhawks got a lot of offense from their blue line, and Edmonton, quite frankly, didn't. Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisettle did what they were supposed to, and some other Oiler players, specifically on the back end, struggled at both ends of the ice, not not just contributing offense, but defending in their own end. I, I think w- when you look at this Edmonton roster, Reed, the key for me is going to be some of the backfill up front because let's just for argument's sake call Barry and Clefbaum a wash. And I, you know, I don't know how it's going to shake out. Obviously, there's some intangibles uh, like Clefbaum's presence in the room and, and being part of the leadership structure. And then there's also the X factor of maybe Tyson Berry going on a complete rampage and, and obliterating any sort of offensive numbers the Oilers could have reasonably expected uh, from Clefbaum. But let's just call it a wash for argument's sake. 
The goaltending is basically the same. So let's just call the defense and goaltending roughly the same personnel-wise. Where Edmonton has strengthened itself, in my opinion, is by adding Turris, retaining Ennis, and then bringing in guys like Dominic Cahoon and Yesapul Yarby, two guys who could theoretically join Turris in the top nine. Turris, I think, even if he plods along at roughly what he did in Nashville, is an upgrade on Riley Shan, in my opinion. So you've all of a sudden created competition, and guys like Alex Chason, James Neal, Zach Cassian, Stone Cold Borlock, not only to play, but to be often given top nine, top six, even top line minutes, are all of a sudden competing to kind of, in some cases, stay in the lineup. And, you know, and that goes for, you know, even a guy like Josh Archibald, who could wind up on the first line, but depending on how some of these other additions wind up, you know, on the fourth line. So that's the kind of internal competition. Gaetan Haas, is he going to push Jujar Kara, another kind of given as a regular the last couple of years? Is he going to push him entirely out of the lineup? That is where Edmonton, in my opinion, has all of a sudden gotten quietly deep. Uh, Joachim Nygaard, where is he going to fit in? Does he push a guy out of a spot? Tyler Ennis, like Archibald, could see some first-line minutes, but could also be fighting for a spot in the lineup, theoretically. I know it sounds odd to say that, Reed, but I also think it sounds promising to say that. Because guys that have been guaranteed spots, not only in the lineup, but in prominent spots in the lineup, all of a sudden are just fighting to get their name on the lineup sheet. And that's where, you know, in 18 months, I think Ken Holland has done a lot with very little in terms of, you know, of actual money. And then you get some of these contracts off the books. Then you start getting excited about Edmonton having some flexibility to do things money-wise. But on the other hand, I'm not, I'm I'm very pleased that the Oilers have not ex- overextended themselves and thrown some foolish dollars out there. And uh, I've said it on this program already. I ultimately am very curious to see how, for instance, Jacob Markstrom works out in Calgary. I'm not denying he's had two very good years in Vancouver, but he's got an entirely different circumstances, different coaching, and and now – the spotlight's on him. It, it's it's a different setting. So that's just an example. I'm not picking on Markstrom, but to some degree, I think the Oilers' lack of resources have prevented them from making, you know, the big mistake. And there have been some big mistakes in free agency as well as the draft in the five or six years prior to Ken Holland getting here. Jack, uh, if if you can do it in about thirty seconds before I let you go, because I, I want to give do anything in thirty seconds. Read. I don't even know what question you just asked me. All I realized was all of a sudden <laughs> I was on a soundbite that might have been breaking records. Uh, how thrilled were you to see the Browns not only play on but win on Sunday Night Football? 
I wasn't bothered by the loss to the Ravens. I, I thought they'd shake it off because I thought they played well. They battled back from 14 down to really make that a game, uh, probably the most exciting game of the year. And while last night's game certainly won't uh, you know, get on the Richter scale as far as excitement, it was a calm, professional performance and taking care of an outclassed opponent. And quite frankly, in recent years, you're just overjoyed with any kind of Browns win. And to see them kind of methodically pick an inferior team apart was very comforting. This is a playoff team. They're going to win this week against New York to clinch a spot. And who knows if the Steelers continue to struggle tonight. And no, I don't want a further update. (laughs) It's not out of the realm of possibility. Pittsburgh's got Indy next week. Can you imagine my excitement level, if it's 11-4 and four Cleveland and 11-4 and four Pittsburgh for the AFC Central Championship on the last weekend of the season, Reed? Oh, yeah. You think I get jacked up for Oilers games? Wait till that happens. And that one would probably be flexed into Sunday night if it came down to that. So, yeah, that'd 100%, be awesome. 100%. I'm sure NBC has already talked about it. I mean, let's face it. Now the Browns are probably, in terms of media, the dominant team in the NFL. Everyone wants a piece of the brown and orange. <laughs> there it is. Jack, thanks for checking in. Merry Christmas to everybody. Always a pleasure, Reed. I'll even forgive you for the 7.05. Try to squeeze me in sometime <laughs> 6 o'clock hour next time. All right. Yeah, I appreciate that. If, I mean, if there was a time even later in the evening we could put Jack on, that's what I would pick. But uh, we'll see. 10 nothing. by the way. The Bengals are uh, beating the Steelers tonight. Double E football team coaches show is coming up. We'll check in with Morley when we get back. Pittsburgh Steelers are in disarray. Bengals up 17-0 with 420 left in the first half on Monday Night Football. Steelers fan, double E football team, play-by-play voice, host of the double E coaches show coming up at 7:30. Morley Scott. Hey Morley. Oh, hey Reed. <laughs> well, they're doing oh, bad. This game. I'll tell you what, uh, Scott Milanovich grew up in the uh, just outside of the Pittsburgh area too in Butler, Pennsylvania, and, and was a Steelers fan. So there won't, there'll be two unhappy guys on the show tonight, I think. <laughs> that is, uh, I mean, that's that's one of the football hot. I mean, what would the, the three states for football be for, like, developing players? Florida, Texas, and Pennsylvania, probably? Yeah, it could be, yeah, yeah. I mean, California has a ton of population, but you should ask yeah. them that, too. If, like, yeah. all the states played a high school all-star game, who would, who would win that tournament? <laughs> yeah, I would say Texas, but we'll see. Yeah, right probably. Pennsylvania is just the state of disarray when it comes to football. Morley, looking forward to the show, buddy. Thanks, Reed. Good to chat with you. More inside sports tomorrow. Dave Campbell's the producer. Kellen Kennedy, the studio producer. Enjoy Morley and Milanovic. Six thirty, Chad. Inside sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at six on Six Thirty, Chad.